In this episode, we are following up the last episode, talking about some inherent difficulties of songwriting and how to best deal with them. Because look, with almost anything creative, or really probably anything worth doing, there are always going to be some inherent difficulties that no matter how much better at that craft you get, there's going to be certain things that are always going to be inherently difficult. And that's why it is that people just don't write 10 songs a day because it has some inherent difficulties. So let's talk about two more inherent difficulties of songwriting and how to best deal with them. Hello, friend. Welcome to another episode of the Songwriter Theory Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Joseph Vidal. Honored that you would spend some time talking songwriting with me. Glad that you care enough about the craft of songwriting, that you would listen to any podcast about it. And of course, extra honored that you would choose this one. We mentioned this last week, but again, another difficulty of songwriting is just getting started and we're not going to dive into that here because we've certainly talked about it before. And more importantly, because I have a free guide covering that 10 different ways to start writing a song. Check it out. Songwritertheory.com slash free guide. It gives five different ways to start writing a song from a lyrical standpoint and five different ways from a musical standpoint. Because honestly, I found that that's maybe the number one best way to get past writer's block, at least for starting a song. That's going to be less helpful for if you're stuck in the middle of a song. Uh, but certainly if you are sitting at the guitar, piano, uh, looking at a blank sheet of paper and you're like, what now? That, for me at least, has been the most helpful way to get it to the point where really I that specific part of writer's block, I honestly don't really deal with any more because if I'm sitting at the keyboard thinking I got nothing, I know now that I can just go get a drum loop that inspires me to do something catchy and that will probably jumpstart me into being inspired or I can start on the lyrical side of things. Maybe I can just go find some pictures or art that I find inspiring with Google images and then that will help me figure out a lyrical concept which then I can figure out some music for or I can start by coming up with a bass line instead of a full piano riff or I can grab the guitar instead. So many different ways but if you want 10, five lyrical, five from a musical standpoint, be sure to check that out, songwritertheory.com slash free guide. The first thing we're going to talk about in this episode is how every song is its own adventure. And I did a, a video a little while back breaking down some songwriting advice that John Mayer gave to a group. I don't know exactly who the group was. It was on video. Uh, if you want to check it out, it's at the YouTube channel, which of course is called Songwriter Theory as well. Um, but he said something that struck me as very true and yet something I hadn't thought too much about, uh, which was that every time you think you got or understand songwriting, every song ends up being just a little bit different, which is not to say that there's no value in systems or that you can at least move the songwriting process from total chaos to something like a process with a ton of curveballs. Right. There's a difference there. Total chaos, really hard to deal with. If you can take it into something where it is a process, but you just know that there's going to be curveballs, that is way more organized and way easier to deal with than just total chaos. 
But ultimately what we're doing isn't a science and I maybe shouldn't call it a science. It's not like a, a math, right? It's not just a math equation where we'll just plug these things in here and then boom, there's the, there's the answer. That's not how songwriting works. That's not how anything creative works. There is no single formula. So even though I have an idea of some of my favorite ways to write a song, for instance, for me, starting with a piano riff, then writing a vocal melody, which almost definitely I record the piano riff, and then I write the vocal melody again with the keyboard because I, I find that I write better melodies with a keyboard or piano than I do improvising with my voice. So obviously I need to make sure it's singable. So after I improvise it or while I'm improvising and I sing along as well, or I just sing it later or I adjust it later if I find out I wrote something that's not really that singable. But after a while, you just get good at writing a melody with the keyboard that is singable because you're just so used to it. Um, but And then writing the lyrics from there. And, and usually I also do producer style songwriting. I talked about this also in some videos. I might have done a podcast on it as well. I don't remember, but... Uh, again, check it out on the YouTube channel, which is uh, just youtube.com slash songwriter theory, or is it at songwriter theory? Um, but producer style songwriting is basically where instead of just sitting with a guitar or piano and no technology at all, and you write a chord progression and then you improvise with your voice, uh, which is more the traditional songwriting that we all probably think of. Producer style songwriting is sort of influenced by the way a lot of producers do songwriting, hence producer style songwriting, or, uh, you know, especially like EDM artists or whatever, uh, where instead I might record, I'm writing a piano riff, then I record that. And before I write lyrics or write a melody, I might actually build out the arrangement just a little bit more, really try to get to what the the vibe of this song recording is going to be before I write the melody. This really allows your arrangement of a song to influence other parts of your song, like the melody or the lyrics. Normally, an arrangement is something that is downstream from the song that you already wrote, right? If you write a guitar riff, or let's keep it simple, you write a guitar chord progression, you improvise your melody over it with your voice, and then you write lyrics to it. Then when you go to record your song, you're trying to figure out, oh, how do, how do I build out this song? I've already written the song. The song's already done, but now I got to figure out an arrangement for the song. So you're figuring out the arrangement of the song based on the melody and lyrics you already wrote. In producer-style songwriting, sometimes instead the lyrics or the melody would be downstream of the arrangement because you didn't just write the piano riff. You wrote the piano riff and a bass line and you came up with maybe even a string arrangement before you actually started writing the lyrics. So your lyrics are now inspired by the arrangement of the song. But regardless, um, then, then I have some like alternate ways that are my next go-tos and you're probably the same way, right? Let's say your main go-to is you sit with your guitar and then you improvise a melody with your voice. Uh, but maybe once in a while, you decide to actually start with a melody first instead. Or once in a while, you try uh, poet-style songwriting, which is the name I give to when you write poetry, essentially, and then put that poetry to music. Um, and and it's good to have that, right? I think it's good to know what songwriting processes tend to give you the best results. So for me, I tend to find that the best results that I can get for me is starting with a piano riff, then a vocal melody, then lyrics, because that's the, the way that I've found I most consistently write a song that I can feel good about, that I can feel proud of. 
uh, is, is with that process. Cause I really care about getting a great vocal melody and great lyrics. And if there's one instrument part I really care about or hook that I care about, it's usually the piano riff or piano hook. And that order tends to get the best results of making sure all three of those are very good. Um, but sometimes you're not going to be inspired in that way. You'll sit at a keyboard or a piano and be like, I don't know what to do. So it's good to have backups, right? So I know that another go-to for me is sometimes I'll start with a bass line or I'll do what I call reverse engineering a song where you actually come up with a song title that you think is really cool and then figure out from there what would this song be about. That can be a great way to write a song that isn't just about your current experience, right? If you sit down and just like, what can I write lyrics about? You're going to write about whatever's going on in your life right now. Probably, most likely, not all the time, but that's what we're going to tend towards, right? But if instead you come up with a song title first and then reverse engineer the lyrics from there, you might come up with a song title that doesn't fit with anything that's going on with your current life. So it will force you outside of your box and to write something a little different. So these things are all great, right? I highly encourage these things. We've had a whole podcast about these things. The free guide is 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 sort of about at least the beginning process of this thing, right? Where I'm telling you, hey, start from different standpoints. Start with a bass line, then start with a piano riff, then start with a guitar chord progression, then try starting with a melody first instead of with the chords first. Um, and I think that's all really helpful, obviously, because I, <laughs> I choose to teach it. I made a free guide on it. Um, but... Once you're actually in the in the middle of songwriting, once you actually, you know, you've written the piano riff maybe and now you're working on the vocal melody, once you're in that process, it becomes new all over again because every song will have different challenges that come up. Sometimes it will be your second verse, lyrics that give you a hard time. Sometimes you're not going to be able to figure out, does the song need a ver- uh, sorry, a bridge or should the bridge be a finale instead? Uh, should I, you know, does a song really need a chorus? Uh, that's a question I think a lot of people don't ask, but probably should ask because not every song needs a chorus. Uh, you know, does, does, is the connection between the verse and the chorus good or does it need a pre-chorus in between to sort of smooth it over? Uh, is, is the chord progression too similar in the verse and the bridge or sorry, in the verse and the chorus? So I kind of need a pre-chorus to break it up a little bit so that people don't notice or care or, or j- just so that it, it, there's something different and doesn't feel like, oh, it's the same chord progression over and over again. Um, and, and you know, let's just take melody, for instance. You have to make a new melody with every song, right? And there is no melody formula. We can talk about things you can do to, to, to help make your melody more interesting, but ultimately... Every melody is going to be different. There is no formula like, oh, well, let's always have five notes per measure and always make sure that it it descends in the first measure and then ascends in the second. There is nothing like that, right? We're making something totally new every time. So challenges are going to come up. And you have to come up with a new set of lyrics, right? Every single time. And hopefully they have intriguing symbols, uh, meaningful tattoo lyrics, uh, something I like talking about, the idea of you know having a, a line or some lines in your song that are so profound or meaningful or maybe simple but eloquent such that somebody you could imagine wanting to tattoo that as a quote on their body, right? Because usually people don't put stupid lyrics on their body. I mean, some some people do, but you know, usually they don't. Um, and then every song you have to decide what song sections to use and which ones not to. That's another thing that I think sometimes people take for granted. Like, oh yeah, verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus. Like, well, 
I mean, that's a good default. You know, when in doubt, default to that, sure. But if every song you've ever written is just verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus, there's a whole realm of things you haven't explored yet and then you're missing out on, right? Maybe writing a song without a bridge or having a third verse in the song after the bridge where you have verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, verse, chorus. Uh, you know, having a song that starts with a chorus instead of starting with a verse. Uh, maybe having a song not actually end on a chorus, having something like a finale instead, where which is essentially a, a coda section that's a hybrid between a bridge and a chorus in that it's the highlight of the song musically, like a chorus normally would be, um, but it's like a bridge in that it only happens once and then it's done. Uh, so sort of, you, you could imagine it instead of verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus, it's verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, finale, or sorry, first chorus, verse, chorus, straight into the finale, which is sort of like a bridge that doesn't bridge back to the chorus, but is the main point, is even more exciting than the chorus, and then that ends the song. Um, so it is a specific type of coda, basically, the way I define it. Um and, you know, does having a pre or post chorus feel right? Maybe your song needs a post chorus or maybe it would be helped by a post chorus. Maybe it shouldn't have a post chorus or pre chorus. Maybe you think a pre chorus. Oh, you just always have a pre chorus. No. Why? Not every song needs a pre chorus. Not every chorus. Not every song even needs a chorus. Right. So. Every song is its own adventure. Every song has some different needs. Writing a melody is going to be different every time. You might use the same instrument every time, but still actually figuring out the melody and what it looks like and the way that it moves and the way it sounds is going to be different every time. So no matter what your plans are, once you get into it, everything can change. The story you end up telling in your lyrics uh, might end up having no use for a bridge. You thought you were going to have a bridge. Maybe you even wrote the music for the bridge. But then you realize as you're writing the lyrics, man, I, I just have nothing to say in the bridge. Take it out, right? So, And that may have never happened to you before where you just, you always had a bridge. But this time you realize, man, there's really nothing for me to say here. So now you have to scrap that bridge music you wrote. Or of course, you could use it in another song. But at least as far as that song is concerned, right? It's scrapped. No more bridge. Or you write your lyrics and realize that you can't finish the story without adding another song section. You thought that verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus was going to be fine. You get through all those lyrics and realize, I think I need a third verse to finish out this story because it ends not where I need the story to end. And it feels like I can't cut anything from the verses or the bridge, which is probably where most of your story is contained because usually choruses are about more ideas and if you have a story-driven song, usually that story is going to be in your verses and bridge. There's just an infinite number of ways to write songs. You can start with chords. You can start with the melody. You can start with lyrics. You can start with a hook. And then you can write with many different instruments and end up with super different results. If you start with a basic drum beat or drum pattern, you're probably going to get a very different result than if you start with a bass line, which is going to be different than if you start with the violin that you used to play in high school which is going to be different than if you start with a piano. There are tons of keys to utilize, right? E even beyond the fact that you might come up with something different in the context of G major than you would in D major, especially if you're a pianist, just because some of the shapes are different. Um, so so it, it's just sometimes easier to write something a little bit different, even by changing the key, uh, even though all major keys are at their core the same. They have the same sound. 
Um, that's why you can transpose a song from C major to D major and it doesn't sound fundamentally different. It's just uh, the vocalist needed to be in D major instead of C major. Uh, but essentially, it's the same exact song. It sounds the same. A lot of people wouldn't even notice, uh, which is not the case. If you take, took a ma major key song and turned it minor key, everybody would notice that. Um, but even that, right? It's, it's not even just major and minor. There are modes to utilize. So you might have written all your songs in major and not even explored minor yet, which is to say nothing of the fact that you haven't explored maybe utilizing some modes. Maybe you've written all your songs to be perfectly diatonic, which means every single note of every instrument is a note from the key. So uh, a diatonic song in C major would have every chord, every instrument part, every your vocal melody, every single note would be one of C, D, E, F, G, A, and B, no sharps and flats in the entire song. There's nothing wrong with that. You could write songs for 50 years, and, and including some very interesting, awesome songs, and literally never once break outside of that. Uh, but you know what? It also might be a different adventure where you feel like major or minor just don't quite do it. You feel like you need a borrowed quarter, just something a little different to jazz it up a little bit. Um, every song's a different, a different animal once you get into it. And systems are helpful, but they're, it's not a perfect, it's not like an assembly line, right? It's always going to be more chaotic than simply an assembly line. And my, my, my best advice here is to have a flexible system. So, a lot of people, I think, use this as an excuse to throw out a system completely. It's kind of like how um, they use the excuse of uh, you could get overly dogmatic about music theory to the point that you never, quote, break rules, I guess. So people use that as a throw the baby out with the bathwater to quote the logical fallacy that they're using uh, to say – Oh, well, because there there could be some downsides to some elements of music theory, I'm going to just not learn it. Like, no, 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 it is super helpful. Uh, and, and you will almost 100% become a significantly better songwriter, specifically a music composer. Uh, won't help with your lyrics, obviously. Uh, but you'll become a much better music composer uh, just by learning really basic music theory. And... Um, so it's it's important to to disconnect the fact that like okay it can be true that it's never going to be a perfect system it's never going to be just an assembly line where it's like oh you make this and then you make this and you put the two parts together boom song it's most of the time not going to work that way but that doesn't mean you throw systems out in the same way that you know sometimes you break outside of certain music theory concepts. Sometimes you might write a song where you kind of have music theory in the back of your head instead of the forefront of your head. That doesn't mean you throw it out, though. It still has a lot of value. It's still way more valuable than not knowing music theory. It's, stay where it's way more valuable to have a system than to not have a system. Uh, but it, the key is to make it flexible because I, I think if there's one core thing that gets people in trouble with music, probably with creativity in general, is it feels like people tend towards being overly um, overly, oh, I don't really need to learn things and it's just, just go by my heart, right? Let's just listen to my heart. Whatever my heart feels is good. I'm not going to learn anything. I'm not going to learn music theory. I'm not going to learn meter for poetry. I'm just going to do what feels right, uh, which is too far. 
and then you're get, usually going to be very limited as a songwriter and heart only takes you so far. And then there's the people that go the other direction where they're so busy being concerned about but music theory and rules and but meter and iambic pentameter, which is a type of meter, by the way, uh, that they forget that, okay, but ultimately the goal here is to write a song that speaks to people. And usually the best way to do that is using both your mind, learning music theory and all that, learning lyric writing, meter, rhyming, uh, and also using your heart, right? Which is, this just feels right. The best stuff usually comes from a combination of both. Because if you have something that is soulless and heartless, but it has advanced music theory, nobody cares, right? Nobody cares. Uh, but on the other side, if you have all this heart in your song, but it's this overly simplistic thing that everybody's heard a million times before, and they just don't care because it's just same old, same old. Also, we've missed the mark, right? So that's where this flexible system comes in. It's the same idea, but for our songwriting process as a whole, where we want to meet in the middle. We don't want to say, oh, it's just chaos. I just follow my inspiration. That's silly. Uh, but it's also silly to say inspiration plays no part or or to say um, that that we can just create this system and you just follow these exact steps and then boom, song. And it's always going to produce a great song. And the best way to produce a song is to do these things in this order. No, it doesn't work that way either. So here's some example advice that I have. Have some go-tos for your song starting places that often get you good results. Like I start writing songs by improvising at the piano or I write a poem first to later put to music. And it's important for you to figure out what works best for you because what works best for me might not be what works best for you uh, beyond the fact that maybe you don't play piano. So obviously what I think works best for me, which is starting with the piano riff, is not gonna be the right thing for you at least at this time. Um, for you, the best way to start a song you might find is, hey, it's actually best when you start with a guitar hook because then you can write a killer guitar hook. And maybe the best way to start a song for you is starting with a bass line. Or maybe you always start by finding a drum loop that's a rhythm that you find really interesting or you make your own drum loops and then write the song from there. And knowing which ones are going to get you the best results most of the time and having that be your bread and butter, your go-to, is a great place to start. And targeting, you know, a lot of your songs are going to probably be written with that process or starting from that place. But understanding that sometimes you got to break out of that, though, and not write every song that way, because sometimes it's just not going to work. There's certain songs that you never would have written if you just stayed with, oh, I only write songs by starting with the piano first. If I did that, there's tons of songs that I've written that I really love that I wouldn't have written if I had that attitude, because I just wouldn't have written the song at the piano. I required the guitar for me to write that song, or it required starting with a bass line, or it required me starting with a song title that I thought was super dope. And I'm like, oh, let's figure out what that song would be about. Um, some other examples are, I, I think it's probably ideal to write the chorus first when you can, because the chorus is sort of at the core of your song, it's the center of your song. Everything else is sort of in support of your chorus assuming your song has a chorus. Um, 
So figuring out the core of your song or the foundation of your song and then building on top of that is easier than writing a first verse and then figure and, you know, bridge and then trying to figure out, oh, what did I leave for the chorus to say? Uh, so often starting with a chorus first is a great way to go. But again, be flexible. You don't want to always do that dogmatically. But hey, when in doubt, start with the chorus. And understanding generally, I think it's important to understand generally, your best musical parts will be the ones you write first. So if you want your song to have a killer bass line, the best way to do that usually is to start with the bass line. If you write the piano part first and then you write a guitar part and then you're trying to fit a bass line into the guitar part and piano part you've already written, it's going to be more difficult to have a killer bass line than if you just sit at a piano, guitar, bass, and literally I'm like, okay, I am going to improvise until I find a really sweet bass line, and then I'm going to build the rest of the song on top of this awesome bass line. So again, as far as a system goes, knowing that systematically the, the best way generally to achieve writing a song that has a killer guitar riff. Let's say that's what you want. You want an awesome guitar riff that's super catchy, that people love. Knowing that probably the best way to do that is to start with a guitar riff. Or if you want to have a really catchy song, it might be the case, this is certainly the case with me, where starting with a drum loop that is catchy is the best way for me to write a catchy song because that doesn't come as naturally to me as writing a memorable song. And just understand things are not always going to go the way you think. You think you wrote the chorus music first, then you realize as you continue to write the chorus music that it actually should be the bridge instead. Or you're writing a guitar song, you think, but figure out that arranging it to feature the piano instead actually is better because you wrote the guitar part first. Uh, but in this case, the piano part you came up with to support that guitar part actually ends up being even better than the guitar part. Usually that's not going to happen, but sometimes that happens. So now you reverse it and you say, okay, I guess the arrangement of this song, the featured instrument of the song is actually going to be the piano instead, even though I thought I was writing a guitar song. Or you try to write lyrics first, but you just can't figure out the right music and feel like you have to try writing music first for a few songs. That's at a higher level, right? That's not a specific song, but... So have a flexible system. Have things that you know are your go-tos, that you know are better for you. Understand certain things like, hey, it's probably ideal to start with the chorus first. It probably makes songwriting easier to do that, but a lot of times it's not going to happen and that's okay. Or understanding that, hey, if I do want to write a song that has a killer bass line, probably the best way to do it is to write the bass line first. But sometimes you'll have the situation I just described, right? You said, oh, I want this to be a guitar song. I want a killer guitar part. So you write that first. Then you write a piano part to go with it. And turns out that actually ended up being even better. That will happen sometimes. So have a flexible system. Don't throw out the system totally. Don't throw the baby out with the bathwater just because all creative endeavors have some, they're not assembly, they're not an assembly line, right? They're not just copy and paste. Um, but that doesn't mean there isn't value in a system to to try to create some, some process out of the chaos. And writer's block. It can happen at any time. And writer's block is just an inherent difficulty of songwriting that is going to come up. It shouldn't stop us, but it certainly is likely to frustrate us. And this one I don't need to describe in detail. We all know what writer's block is, right? So let's jump straight to the advice. Because again, I want to keep this under 40 minutes. My advice is ride the wave when it comes, and when there is no wave, paddle. 
So think of it like surfing or something, right? When a wave comes, catch it, take advantage of it. Uh, but when there isn't a wave, you don't just do nothing, right? You paddle. You, you try to seek out the next wave instead of just waiting for the wave to come to you. Double down on the times of plenty. Continue working to rediscover inspiration when it seems lost. The hardest working, let's compare this to athletes. The hardest working and best training and best eating pro athletes tend to have the fewer to have fewer off days and be more consistent than their counterparts that don't work as hard, that don't aren't as strict about their training regimen, aren't as strict about what foods they eat and put in their body. But even the greatest have bad games, even atrocious games, right? The greatest in any sport or in any anything, right? The greatest songwriters ever wrote some terrible songs. Probably a lot of them you never heard, but it happens, right? The greatest movie makers make some duds, right? I, I love Christopher Nolan, easily my favorite director. I thought Tenet was a dud. I thought he got too high concept and 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 totally made completely forgettable characters, a story that nobody would care about, overly confusing. I'm not sure the concept even works. It's really cool. It looks cool. Uh, but, you know, a cool concept doesn't carry a movie. Um, so I thought Tenet was really not very good. And I love Nolan. But I think he missed on that one. Uh, so, you know, even the best have off days. They're just going to have a lot fewer of them. Right, the greatest quarterbacks will have one bad game and then have five straight where they kill it, or ten straight where they kill it. They'll have one bad game in the wrong time in the playoffs, but then the next season they'll win the Super Bowl, right? Because they carried their team or something. And we need to be the same way in how we approach songwriting, right? So we're not just sitting around waiting for inspiration. Athletes don't sit around waiting to feel like they are going to work out or, or feel like eating their avocado ice cream or whatever. No, they do the right thing all the time. They work hard all the time. They train all the time. They're very strict about it. And sometimes they're going to have off days anyway. In the same way that we should write every day. Or, or, you know, write, make sure we're writing every single week, whether we're inspired or not. And sometimes our writing is still going to be crap, right? Because we're just not inspired. And maybe it might matter that we're not inspired. But do the work anyway. Because the best way to become inspired again is to actually keep working, right? If you're sitting on the, on the couch watching, uh, I don't know, The Office or Curb Your Enthusiasm, you're way less likely to become re-inspired and to get past your writer's block than if you are spending half an hour sitting at the guitar, improvising, playing around. Because even if you come up with nothing in that half hour, you have worked through more ideas that won't work and you're getting closer and closer to finally finding something again that inspires you. So, and, and we're writers, right? We don't get the luxury of just writing, oh, when I feel like it or when the muse magically gifts me. And the muse is going to gift you more often when you work for it, right? And I know the muse is not a real thing, obviously, but, you know, inspiration. The people who work for inspiration are going to get it more often. It's like panning for gold. If, if you stop panning for gold then you have zero shot of getting gold. 
And it may be the case that the best thing to do is the current river that you're panning gold from is now low on gold. There just isn't much left. So it might be the case that it's good for you to actually change which river you're panning gold at. Try some different rivers until maybe you have some better results. Or give it a few more days, keep panning at that river anyway. But if you just sit on your butt and don't pan for gold at all, well, outside of a a magic gift of a giant pillar of gold just going on by and you see it and you go, okay, I know that's not how panning for gold works, but uh, hopefully you get my point, right? Uh, The best way to get past writer's block is to write whether you have writer's block or not and to have some strategies to get past writer's block. We already talked about one with us starting your song from a different standpoint, songwritertheory.com slash free guide. That's a great way to do it. That's like moving which river you're at, right? If you're at the river of writing piano riffs first and you have writer's block, move to the river of writing a bass line first or writing lyrics first or reverse engineering a song, and then you may have better results. But with writer's block, Take advantage of when you don't have writer's block. Stay up a little bit later when it's it's 12 o'clock, your bedtime is 12 o'clock, and you are just super inspired. You're writing lyrics and you're crushing it. Maybe consider stay up till one on that day, right? Because you're feeling it. You're in the middle of, of you're in the zone. You're inspired. The muse has visited you. Take advantage of that. Ride the wave when it comes. Uh, but even when there is no wave, if you've had a week straight where you feel like you've come up with nothing, okay. Keep, keep going half an hour a day anyway. Go to some different rivers. Try to get yourself out of the rut. But ultimately, you can't claim that you're trying to get yourself out of the rut if you're not writing. Hopefully, this was helpful to you. Again, songwritertheory.com slash free guide for a great way to get past writer's block, especially for starting a song. Five ways from a lyrical standpoint. Five from a musical standpoint. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate every single one of you. And I will talk to you in the next one.